0: Hey friends, if you struggle to find time to read the Bible, or maybe like me, you do devotions in the morning, but then you could use a little more scripture in your day, I wanna make sure you know about the Dwell Bible app. What makes Dwell so special is that they read the Bible to you. And you can choose from all different books of the Bible, different plans, they even have Dwell Daily, which is a daily devotional. And what really sets Dwell apart is that they have a variety of voices you can have read the bible to you over time i've listened to rosie the most she is soft and relaxed and makes you feel like you're sitting by a fireside being read to i also love amber's voice it's comforting and eloquent so good and then you can also choose what you want in the background whether it's music or white noise i love hearing the piano being played while i listen to the bible being read to me pretty special Dwell has something for everyone, men, women, and even children. So go over to dwellbible.com forward slash Monica Swanson to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash Monica Swanson for your 25% discount. I know you're going to love it. So check it out. Let me know what you think. Christian Parenting Aloha, friends. Welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast, powered by Christian parenting. I am Monica Swanson, mom to four boys, podcast host, and author of Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. Here on the podcast, it's my goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising boys in this sometimes crazy world. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I'm so glad you're here.
1: Of the things that I, I think a lot of parents feel when it comes to any matters of sex, and certainly talking about pornography, a lot of parents feel just this intimidation in the sense of, like, I, I, I don't feel like I'm qualified for that job. How do I say it? And there's all sorts of reasons why not to get in these conversations with our kids. To not say anything is, in essence, to say, I, I choose for pornographers to be my kids' sex educators. And however poorly parents who are listening think they're going to do at the sex education of their kids and talking to the kids about these things, I guarantee you that you're going to do a much, much better job than pornographers will. You are such a a much, much safer, well-meaning person who loves your kids where where pornographers will not. So you don't have to do this perfectly, but even being involved and letting your kids know that you care about this part of their lives is going to matter to them.
0: Aloha, friends, and welcome back to the Boy Mom Podcast. I hope you are having an amazing summer, and I just appreciate that you take the time to check in and check out the episodes that I'm sharing as we are just wrapping up a mini series, I'm calling it, on boys and technology. If you've missed the last three weeks, I hope you can go back and catch them because, wow, they were packed. And then today, though this isn't specifically about technology, it is about the topic most on my mind. Mind and probably a lot of your minds when you think about kids and technology, and that is pornography. And I am so grateful that I was able to have this conversation with Daniel Wise and Joshua Glazer, who have together written an important book that I'm going to highly recommend everybody check out. It's called Treading Boldly Through a Pornographic World. And oh my goodness, this interview was such a gift to me. I really appreciated their perspective, their encouragement, their insight. These men have done the research. They've walked through this for years as um, an area of ministry for each of them, as they have encouraged people all over the world to tread boldly, to not shrink back in fear, to not... um, bury our heads in the sand and pretend it's not a thing. We are raising families in a time that we must know what's going on. And I just think these men are offering us so much help and hope. So I can't wait to share this interview with all of you. Now, I want to thank you again for being a part of this podcast community. Thank you for your ratings and reviews. And if you haven't left one yet, it would mean so much to me. You can just go right on your phone to your podcast app and you scroll down, find those five stars, tap on them. And then if you want to, leave a few words about what you love most about the boy mom podcast. It would mean so much to me. I read every review and I thought I would share one more today. This is from the Mrs. Murph, who titled it a window into my future. gave me five stars. Thank you so much. And she wrote, I am so thankful for you, Monica. This podcast has been such a blessing for me. I have four little boys under five years old. God bless you. As I listen to this podcast, I feel like I'm able to step into the future and see what our crazy life will look like. I've been able to draw on so much tangible, godly wisdom from listening to this content, and I'm so grateful for what is helping to produce in our family. Thank you. I appreciate this so much, and I love to imagine those of you with younger kids just getting some ideas, resources, inspiration, and hope for all that you have ahead. So thank you, the Mrs. Murph, for this review. And again, if you haven't left one yet, you can pause right now and leave one or be sure to do so later. Also, I'm gonna just say now that this episode is such an important one. I really would appreciate it if you would share this with your friends and family members, Anyone who is raising kids, especially, or has some role in children's lives, because this is such an important topic. Um, One great way to do that is to take a screenshot of your phone and put it into your Instagram stories or on social media. Great way to share this podcast. Last thing I want to say is if you have little ears around, this is an adult conversation. Um, You know, Some of your kids would do great to listen with you, actually, but I encourage you to screen it first on your own before having younger people listen in with you. All righty. So I'm so looking forward to sharing this conversation. Without further ado, I'm going to dive in and talk about what it means to tread boldly through a pornographic world with Daniel and Joshua. I hope you enjoy. Well, hey, Josh and Daniel, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're happy to be here. Love it.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm super excited about this work that you have done together. And like I said before we hit record, I haven't um, had too many interviews with two people. So if we're talking over each other, everyone listening, um, hang in there with us. But I am so stoked to have both of these guys on that wrote this important book that comes out just this summer called Treading Boldly Through a Pornographic World. We are sharing this interview Uh, kind of after a few other episodes that are focused on boys and technology. So there's so many different things that really are important when we talk about boys and technology. And the biggest on my mind and a lot of parents' minds is this topic of pornography. And so we've already heard, if you've been around my podcast for a while, you've heard me talk about screens and internet filters, all of that. But today we're going to go a little bit deeper and get real specific about pornography and so, do you mind just taking a minute to introduce yourself before we jump into all of my questions?
2: Sure. Thank you, Monica. I, I am Daniel Weiss, and I am the proud father of five. I'm kind of your boy mom, and I'm girl dad. I have four girls and a boy. And uh, I've been working on pornography issues for almost 20 years now um, with focus on the family for a time, and then with my own organization, the Brushfires Foundation. And now working on a collaborative ministry called the Sexual Integrity Leadership Summit, which equips Christian leaders across across the country.
1: And I'm Josh Glazer, um, proud father of five. Um, my wife and I have been married uh, twenty years now, which is crazy to think about. But we have kids. We have five kids, uh, ages seven up to seventeen. Four girls and a boy. Also, interestingly enough. <laughs> and uh, I'm the director of a ministry. Uh, we're located in Baltimore, Maryland, in the DC metro area. It's called Regeneration. And so for the last, um, and regeneration has been around for 40 years, but I've been with it since 1999, walking with men and women who are really trying to grow in the area of sexual integrity and relational wholeness.
0: Can we just dive in? I'm, I've got a list of questions for you. Can you talk to us about maybe what's happening in the world right now? Just bring us up to speed. Why pornography right now? What's changed? What's going on? Let's start there.
2: Yeah. So, um, Josh and I, you know, we wrote this book together, but I, I came from a research background. And so Josh always likes me to handle these questions. Um, <laughs> we, we, uh, you know, this is a serious topic and I've been working on this issue for almost 20 years now. Um, going back to some work I did at Focus on the Family and pornography was the primary issue I covered. And uh, it's it's probably no surprise to say that Back in the early 2000s, pornography was already a pretty huge problem for kids, and even even internet pornography. Um, You know, the internet had really only come online around 1995 for the majority of Americans. So it was very new, but pornography had invaded it right from the start. Um, And so throughout the years, they've done research. But uh, we'd like to refer to a Barna research report from 2016. I know that sounds a little outdated. But uh, it found that 33% of all Americans, so from young to old, are accessing pornography at least once a month, some, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, weekly or daily. But when it comes to Mm -hmm. kids, um, you know, 37% of all teens are accessing porn at least monthly. Uh, The the interesting thing about that, I mean, the, the sad thing about that is other research has found that of the kids looking at pornography, perhaps only half of their parents think they are. So parents largely assume that their kids are not looking at pornography when in fact they are. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the research that alarms me a little bit. We know pornography is out there. We know it's a problem, but a lot mm-hmm. of parents wait too long to start thinking about it and certainly to start talking about it with their kids. And so their kids have already been exposed by the time, you know, many kids have been exposed by the time parents think, it's time to have that kind of talk. And so that's really one of the kind of highlights we like to tell parents, like, don't wait. In fact, I wrote to someone just recently uh, yesterday, um, if, you're, if your child is at a place where they can understand language, you can talk about God's good design mm-hmm. for sexuality, mm-hmm. what God made us for. And you can also talk about what happens when we go away from what God plans for us. And those are Mm -hmm. easy conversations to have with, like, a two- or three-year-old because, you know, if they use a toy and it breaks. I mean, that's a natural teaching moment. And we can be teaching them about their bodies and relationships um, in the same way.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Well, I I do want to get to some of those practical ways we can talk to our kids um, about all of these things here in a moment. But let's start off by just uh, covering a few of the more startling, you know, facts, statistics. Can you talk to us a little bit, either of you, about what porn does to a child's brain and how it can impact them into adulthood? I think we all can use just some wake up calls here to get us started.
1: Yeah. I mean, so pornography is part of my own story. I mean, I, I part of the reason I got into the ministry that I'm in is because of my own struggle with, with pornography and eventually with internet pornography. Um, and the great news is that there's actually been a a growing body of research that helps to understand what happens in the brain around pornography. So I think a simple way of thinking about it is that God's designed the human body and the human brain to work together in the area of sex and sexuality. And in the marriage covenant, it works beautifully. Mm -hmm. But when we take it outside of that, things go sideways. So, so just some examples. Um, and and these are things we can talk to our kids about too. Mm -hmm. During sexual intercourse, the brain releases certain neurochemicals and, um, and they teach the brain and the body things like this is someone I can go to, to connect with. This is a place where I can feel secure. This is a place where I can feel, um, relief after a difficult day. This is someone that I can bond with and, and other chemicals actually reinforce that that person is the, is the place to go to. That's the one. Mm -hmm. But when we take, when we, when we interject pornography in there. The brain and body still work the same way, but now there's not another person. Instead, there are images, and so mm. the brain begins to acclimate and say, "Well, if I want to feel relief, if I want to feel better after a hard day, if I want to feel connected, if I want to feel, um, you know, any any of those other other things, now I know where to go to. And and instead of going to that beloved person in marriage, it it sends the the person back to pornography. But there's also a failsafe. That God's wired into our brains. Our our brains aren't meant to have that kind of stimulation on demand. Mm -hmm. And so when when pornography gets into the mix there and a a child or an adult is just going to pornography whenever they feel those things, whenever they want to feel better, the brain begins to recognize this is too much. We're getting flooded with these neurochemicals. And so it starts to shut down some of the receptors of those chemicals. The problem there is, is that then what begins to happen is um, the, the, the pornography that, that used to feel stimulated to a certain degree stops to satisfy so much. And so the, wow. the, the porn addiction become more intense at that point. And the other really sad thing is that um, those chemicals are also released during normal, healthy relational experiences in a child's life, non-sexual relational experiences. And so those other relational places where the child would usually feel and experience connection and stress relief begin to be less satisfying. And so in that sense, pornography becomes more of the greater need. Um, wow. Actually, so that's that's what happens in an adult's brain. In a child's brain, wow. that's still forming, it's it's all amplified. So that's, oh, yeah, wow. that's some of the scary reality of what happens if, if this stuff goes unchecked.
0: Yeah, wow. that, and there's great. other
2: research. I mean, Josh kind of explained the <clears throat> kind of the neurochemical process, but when it comes to kind of attitudes and future actions, um, we cite some research. Um, from Dr. Jill Manning and she presented this kind of looking at all the pornography studies out there and you know it when when kids are exposed to pornography what happens is they really don't have a if se- especially the younger they're exposed they don't have a sexual template that they already have mm. well developed so what happens yeah. is pornography becomes the sexual template and the way they understand sex and love from that point forward. So rather than learning about it in an age appropriate, healthy, godly way, their learning basically lies. And that translates into, you know, the way they believe, the things they believe about sex and their attitudes, including, you know, thinking that monogamy is unattractive, thinking that raising kids and having a family um, is-, is boring or, or lame, or mm-hmm. thinking that Um, really bizarre sexual practices are quite common. And so it really opens up, um, you know, those lies become kind of cemented in as truth. And they believe this to be true because of the way the brain works at that age. And it can lead to a lot of relational difficulties. Um, And and really that's a societal issue at that point. It's not just dealing with one individual person. It's dealing with their future partners possibility for families and and really, you know, some pretty hard, you know, addiction uh, type experiences or worse.
0: Wow. Okay. So earlier you said that a lot of parents are not aware that this is an issue or don't think their own kids would have an issue. Can you talk to us about some of the ways either parents can figure out what's going on. You know, like give us some practical help here. If someone's listening and they've got a 9-year-old or a 13-year-old and they haven't really brought this up yet, how can they tune into this?
1: Yeah. So I, I think uh, one one thing is if start like Daniel said earlier, start young and mm-hmm. start by talking yeah. about what God's design is. We really yes. we want to be that that formative voice in our kids' lives. And and if you haven't done that and your kids are getting older, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, um, still start, start there. Um, and Daniel, were you going to say something about?
2: Well, the one, the one thing that, uh, the, the point about parents not thinking their kids would be into this. I mean, we, we kind of turn that question around in the book and we say, rather than wonder whether your kids, uh, would be interested in it, ask this question, is pornography and pornographers, are they the kind of people that are going to respect your values? And are going mm-hmm. to respect the boundaries you place, and the goals and desires and dreams you have for your kids. And we know that's not true. And we know that that pornography, uh, pornographers put pornography everywhere kids go. They're trying to encounter. They're trying to make kids encounter and get them hooked. It's a very diabolical. Mm-hmm. It's a very intentional process when you look at the research with internet keywords mm-hmm. and, and hyperlinks and things. So that Mm. it's not that your kid is bad. And that's the reason they're looking at pornography. It's the fact that pornography is literally everywhere in our society right now. And so we have to kind of approach this topic with that kind of seriousness, we've got to get in front of it. Because if we don't, we're going to be coming from behind the whole time.
0: Wow.
1: Yep. Monica, if I could say one just kind of tag team mm-hmm. with Daniel there a little bit. one one of the things that I, I think a lot of parents feel when it comes to any matters of sex and certainly talking about pornography, a lot of parents feel just this intimidation in the sense of like, I, I, I don't feel like I'm qualified for that job. How do I say it? i don't want to I don't want to ruin my kids by bringing something up that they've never even heard of. Like um, I, I you know what about my own past? I mean, there's all sorts of reasons mm-hmm. why not to get in the, in this conversation, getting these conversations with our kids. But I think just to piggyback what Daniel was saying, it really these days, to not say anything is in essence to say, I, I choose for pornographers to be my kids' sex educators, and and however poorly parents who are listening think they're going to do at the sex education of their kids and talking to the kids about these things, I guarantee you, guarantee, guarantee, guarantee you that you're going to do a much much better job than pornographers will. Um, you you are such a, a much much safer. A well-meaning person who loves your kids mm. where, where pornographers will not. So you don't have to do this perfectly, but even being involved and letting your kids know that you care about this part of your, their lives is going to matter to them.
0: Wow. That's great. I really appreciate that. Okay. So let's just go there and let's talk to the parent who finds out that their child is looking at pornography. I've, I've received, you know, plenty of emails. I'm sure the two of you have as well from a mom who is, is heartbroken, who's can't sleep because she discovered something on her son's phone or computer um, sometimes real young kids can you speak to those parents first steps what are, what do they do
1: yeah we like to start off I think with really encouraging parents to to uh, take a look and care for themselves first it's so counterintuitive because it, it feels mm. like well wait I just I just discovered my my you know like my, my yeah. kids gotta a a bomb that exploded in the room and I'm supposed totally. to take care of myself. But the the reason for that is it, it's the same thing as when you get on a, on a plane and the, the flight attendants say, look, if the cabin pressure drops, they are going to be masks that fall fall from the ceiling. Put your mask on first and then take care of your child. And the, the, the reason they say that is because if if you try to take care of your kid first and then you lose oxygen, you're not going to be able to help them. This is a huge burden for parents when they discover a son or daughter has been exposed to pornography. It, it just, it breaks our hearts. We don't, we think back to when our kids were younger. We think about how they mm. Um, their innocence. We we mm-hmm. some of sometimes the things that we've seen that they've been looking at, we are horrified by and disgusted mm-hmm. by. Mm-hmm. Like, how could my son or daughter be looking at that? Um, we we fast forward years and and worry about what this is all gonna lead to. Um that's the that's why the instinct kicks in to jump in and, and try to, you know, handle help our kids right away. But we really want to encourage parents to take just a little bit of time, a day, or two, you know, if you have to, if it has to be a little bit longer. Um Breathe, pray, and find some other trustworthy adults that you can that you can help bear the load with. Um, somebody who, who can who you can freak out in front of, so that you're not freaking out sure. for your kids. Wow. <laughs> Someone who you can practice. That's huge. How am I going to yeah. talk with my kids about this? Because um, every time I talk about it, I start crying or I start screaming. Um, so get another adult that you can that can be that sounding board for you as, before you go in. So that that's kind of step number one. is counterintuitive as counterintuitive as that is.
2: Yeah and 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 just piggyback on on that we encourage parents i mean to be honest they have to go through a grief process when they discover this because there's a lot of things that need to be grieved you know it it you wish your child's innocence hadn't been taken away you have to grieve that um if you bottle this stuff up it 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 doesn't go away it just kind of eats you out eats you from the inside out And, and I think where we find parents running into troubles is when they're stuck and they're not kind of processing the news in a healthy way. And, you know, we, we outline the stages of grief, you know, there's anger and depression and, um, you know, all kinds of things, uh, you know, and finally we get to acceptance and that acceptance is not that this is okay. The acceptance is I am in a situation that I can deal with. And I can bring, you know, we encourage parents to deal with their own um kind of responses because the best tool, the best guide your kid is going to have going through this world and these challenges is a fully engaged parent. And so we encourage parents, that's you have to take care of yourself so you can fully engage with your child's story. And I think wow. that you know, we kind of worked through some of this stuff as dads as well. And and we haven't done it perfectly. Um, it was a couple months ago, when my daughter said, Dad, something happened. And it was pretty late at night. And we were watching a movie. And in the middle of this movie, she was playing around on Facebook and friended someone she thought was from her old school. Well, it turned out it was, uh, you know, my daughter was 14 at the time. And this guy, as I'm looking through things, uh, was 22. And within a span of about five minutes of back and forth chat, I mean, he was basically acting like a sexual predator to her. And Mm, I'll tell you, knowing what I know, I completely flipped out. Like, I completely lost it. I did everything wrong in the moment. I mean, (laughs) I was protecting dad. I was like, what are you doing? And I, and I I had to backpedal. For days on that, because what I didn't want my daughter to think is that she had done something wrong. She was 14. For her, it was pretty innocent. It was uh-huh. you know, and that's what we say. Porn isn't going to respect our boundaries or our values. Mm-hmm. But uh-huh. it was important for me to then, in a in a much calmer place, to convey my love, my concern for her, the fact that I wasn't upset with her, the fact that I I cared deeply for her, and that this was a pretty serious thing that happened. And so, you know, we moved through that. But parents know you're going to make mistakes. Uh, you know, we wrote a book, and and a lot of our mistakes are actually written into the book too.
0: Alright friends, I hope you are enjoying this conversation and there's still a whole bunch more to come. But first, I want to pause here real quick to thank this episode's sponsor, which is Canopy. Now, hopefully you got to hear Canopy's CEO on Episode 111, Sean Clifford joined me for an amazing interview. So if you missed that, go back and check it out. But Canopy is an app that blocks explicit adult images on kids' phones. We've talked before about just how important it is to guard your sons from some of the bad content out there. And a lot of kids accidentally stumble across explicit images and videos online. One study found that twice as many kids had seen pornography as their parents had thought. Canopy is great. It blocks explicit content that other filters miss. How? Because it uses artificial intelligence to detect bad stuff before your kid sees it. Canopy also lets you block and manage apps and websites and works on Apple, Android, and Windows. Guys, this is some super cool technology. Be sure to use the link in my show notes, or you can go straight to canopy.us forward slash boy mom. You can get 30 days free. Check it out. I think you'll be impressed. Okay. Now let's get back to today's conversation. So let's take it from there. You take care of yourself. Then you open up conversation. Do you recommend like getting outside help right away? Do you recommend just having some conversations? I guess the book's going to give us more tools for this, but what else yeah. can you share here?
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So then comes the time, you, you know, you, at some point you're talking to your kids about this and, and first of all, this is not one conversation that makes everything better. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, you're, you're opening a door. And so the goal is really to, to build relationship here. We want to begin having relationship around this difficult topic, what's been happening for our kids. So we want to start with asking really good questions and, and, the, the first thing we need to do to ask good questions is to just make it a safe place for our kids to talk and to answer. Uh, and so when we say good questions, you might think about it this way. We are not private investigators looking for dirt against our mm-hmm. kids or against anybody mm-hmm. else. Um, we are geologists and we are working delicately trying to uncover um, some things that have, have fallen to ruin. And we want to just yeah. kind of be very, very tender with our kids. Pornography is shaming. It's just it's shaming stuff. And then on top of that, our parents have just found out. And if we live in a Christian home, um, for right or for wrong, I think sometimes there can be an added sense of like, oh, I've, I'm really, you know, I knew yeah. better and I still did it. Mm, um, oh. So we want to come alongside our kids. We don't want to approach them as as against them. We want to come alongside um, as best we can and get on their team and invite them to be on on our on our team as, as we walk forward with this. So um, I think good questions include things like, I mean, even as open end as can, you know, you know, mom and I found uh, pornography on your phone. Can you tell me what's been going on? One okay. thing about good questions is they'll they'll never you never ask a question you already know the answer to. Um, okay. because you don't want to create an opportunity for your son or daughter to lie. Cause because then what you've done is is you basically uh, if they lie then yeah, then you're setting them up yeah. and you're setting yourself mm. up to 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 trap them. Cause then then what do you uh. do? You remain silent about the truth. You know, you don't want to do that. So um so if you know it's been going on for three months, you don't say how long has this been going on? You say, hey, I know from your history, it's gone on at least for three months. When did this mm. start for you? Was it before that? Or was it three months ago? You, you want to get a sense of this with the kinds of questions like what's their sense of it? I mean, are they kind of like, yeah, so what? You know, yeah, I've been looking at porn. Everybody does. Who cares? Um, or are they like, I know, I know. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Are they, you know, are they embarrassed? Are they, are they hiding their face from you? Um, look for those signs of shame. And uh, because you know, it, there's their response is going to tell you a lot about where you where you go next. If they don't want to talk, uh, or if they or if they lie, and you and you kind of get sense, like you know, I just think they're not telling me the truth. Still, seek to be a safe a safe person for them to talk to by just saying, you know, I I hope that you'll choose to to talk to me more about it. I hope that you'll choose to tell me the truth because I really am for you, and I know enough about pornography to know that it's really destructive, and I don't want you carrying that weight alone. Daniel, what else would you say about kind of the open-ended questions and the that kind of environment yeah, I, we want to I set think
2: up. I think you're you're right Josh that this isn't just a perhaps a one-time conversation. And 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 some parents and we've been you know we've encountered this story where you know the parents had the talk with their young son I'm sorry I won't do it again and they just said okay he's not going to do it again and they never checked back hmm. and found out you know he he went right back to it. And and then it was several years later when they realized the extent of the of the damage and the problem. So expect to check in with your kids. Maybe you caught it right away, and this is the first time, but that's really probably highly unlikely. It's probably been going on a while, whether that's a couple of weeks, a couple of months, it might even be a couple of years. Um, Mm -hmm. But as you continue to probe into this, I mean, one of the things you're going to want to know as a parent for how to, what kind of help to give, and, and what kind of help you might need to seek outside the home is, you know, what, 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 what have they been exposed to? Like what kind of content? So, you know, there's a lot of, uh, pornography is not like when Josh and I were growing up, you know, there were, there were magazines with still pictures, <laughs> right. or there were VHS mm-hmm. tapes you'd find in someone's closet. Um, you know, the porn back then was still kind of, story driven, like you know, the pizza Mm -hmm. delivery guy kind of story. Mm But now it's pretty basically it's just kind of violent and degrading sex. And I I don't want to go into more detail, but it's there's just nothing even remotely redeeming about it. So the chance that even your kids will, if they're exposed to pornography, you know, and you were as a child, what they're being exposed to is likely totally different exposed to
0: right and so again
2: staying calm staying present in the moment but just find out what kind of stuff they've seen and and really um like josh said not as an interrogator but to follow up with questions like you know how did how did you react to this or what kind of response did you have was it gross was it icky was it exciting and some of the things especially when we're trying to pull our kids back into a godly vision of sexuality is we can affirm, you know, that they had a sexual response. I mean, that's how the body was designed. Sure. And just right. redirect it as we're talking with mm-hmm. them, comparing the messages of pornography and true love uh, is is part of that conversational nature of what we're doing here. Um, but if if they've been looking for quite a while and 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 they say they're having trouble stopping, or you've noticed that in the internet history you know i would definitely consider seeking out some some outside professional help and and not yeah. to feel ashamed about that because this mm-hmm. is a really serious issue and if and if your child broke his leg mm-hmm. you wouldn't hesitate to get you know doctor and 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 hospitalization if needed and so um, the impact on their emotional mental and relational health is, is just as serious. And so, um, you know, I know groups like Focus on the Family have counselor referral networks. Um, it, okay. It, it, I was it, just going to
0: ask if yeah. you could give us maybe a couple suggestions. I know in the book you have um, suggestions as well, but yep. maybe I could put a couple in show notes if somebody listening wants to grab those right away.
2: Yeah. Focus on the Family has a referral network and it's, it's pretty much all across the country and it's, it's very well done. So I know the folks there.
0: Terrific
2: it's a good start.
0: Terrific. I I appreciate all of this so much. And I do think as you're talking about, I'm just thinking how much compassion we need to have on our kids if we find out that they've stumbled across this, especially, you know, I share in my book, Boy Mom, that we had, you know, fortunately it was just what I call a close call, but with one of my sons. And the truth is, is I had waited to put filters on computers because we were a homeschool family. The computers were in plain view most of the time. I knew my kids were good kids. They loved God. And so I was just, I just kept putting it off, thinking, oh, filters are gonna get in the way of everything. They're gonna make things run slow. I didn't know I'm not a techie person. And so I put it off. And then when I, my son, you know. Told me that he had had something happen that really, you know, drew him in and wanted to talk about it. Thank goodness. I felt so convicted that I put my son in this situation that, you know, we had not done our job as parents. And so I felt so much compassion on this poor teenage kid that's being presented with such a a crazy world of. You know, so much at his fingertips without anything preventing him from going there. And so we immediately got filters. He thanked us. He appreciated it. He wanted that. But I think that for especially if our kids are in a situation where we haven't done our due diligence as parents, not to put shame on parents, because we're all learning too, right? We talk about how we're digital immigrants, we're figuring this out as we go. But by all means, our kids need a lot of compassion because this is a crazy world, just like you said, the things that is available to them is is just so different from what we had when we were children, so
1: yeah, and Monica, if I could jump in real quick because I, I think mm-hmm. with with all due respect to what you just said, you obviously have done something really, really right there, and I just want to point it out because it's so important. when your son comes to you, that's a mm-hmm. great indicator. That you've become to him an askable parent, you've become a, mm. a parent that is safe enough to come to. and so one of the things that we recommend in the book for for moms and dads is whether you've had to go to your son or daughter and say, "Hey, you know, this is what I found. that's you discovered it, or the son or daughter came to you and um, and told you, and so that's that's them um, disclosing what what they found. Mm. In either of those situations when a son or daughter is honest about what's happened, even if they're just, you know, cracking the door open a little bit yeah. and telling the truth, mm-hmm. we want to just a- applaud that and reward that. You know, th- that took so much courage. Oh, my gosh. you you Your conscience is awesome. Like, you are so courageous. I'm so happy you told
0: yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: because sometimes what happens when, it, when a kid is, just opens the door a little bit, they may not realize it, but they're – and this, adults do this too. They're testing. They want to see, like, what's going to happen when I share this much? And when we when we let them know, like we're not looking for perfection from you, what we but we really want whatever happens for you, we want to be with you in it. And we can only be with you in it as you're open and talking with us. And so when they're open with us, we we reward it, we applaud, we give them attaboys. Um, because I th- I think that's one of the ways that we let them know if if worse stuff happens or more stuff happens, you can come back to me.
0: Yeah, um, we're safe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. I I really do appreciate that. And um And yeah, and again, circling back to what you said much earlier is is the importance of starting these conversations young. So I know a lot of my listeners do have younger kids, and that's where you want to open those doors early, because I don't think this stuff is going away. (laughs) I I don't think the world's going to get any prettier. Um, Okay, well, before we wrap up, uh, I would love to just hear any advice you have um, for those maybe parents of younger kids. Just to start off well as well as just the conversations um, that they can have, do you guys have some just good basic wisdom to share
2: well w- one of the things, especially for uh, parents of younger kids is recognize that the world around us uh, you know no matter what we're doing in our home, the world around us is pretty thoroughly pornographic it's it's on um, highway billboards it's in music videos it's in award shows it's in tv commercials pretty much if you walk out your door you're gonna be exposed to pornography in some form maybe not Mm -hmm. you know hardcore porn but you're going to be exposed to the attitudes and the belief system uh so under if the world has normalized pornography we have to Recognize our opportunity to normalize conversations about healthy sexuality, or just conversations about hard things, conversations about how the world has broken down um, in our social fabric, and we talk about that in our home a lot. Well, why is that? Kids will ask. We go back to the Bible. It's sin, sin, and sin in the heart Mm -hmm. and sin in the culture, and so that's one of the things we do, you know, to help parents understand how to talk about these things. We, we borrowed from a friend of ours, it's the 3D design, but we added a fourth, but it's, we can tell God's story on sexuality through uh, our desires, that he gave us our desires, and those are good and godly and meant to bind us to a spouse, uh, but they've mm-hmm. been hijacked. Uh, our, mm-hmm. our design, you know, God has designed us for love. God has designed us for connection and communion. He's designed us to create new life. Um, And then destiny, you know, the ultimate story is not earthly marriage. The ultimate story is eternal union with God in heaven. Mm -hmm. And and, and more, we don't have the time to get into it, but we do discuss in the book, our sexuality, marital sexuality is a sign, is a symbol of God's love for us. And that we see this story written from the very first pages of the Bible to the very end. Um, and finally, that fourth—we've added the fourth D. It's detour, and that's that's the impact of sin on our on our own lives, in this, in the culture. And so, in that sense, we don't have to be perfect people for our kids. We don't have to be. Uh, we didn't live things out perfectly in our sexuality, and and we can share that in appropriate ways. So we can let them know that we didn't always live up to this, but the grace of God, um, you know, is there for us to receive. And, and so those, there's some practical tips, but I would say normalize these conversations as much as possible um, because you have the relational capital later in life when you need it, when things uh, may turn more challenging.
0: Right. Oh, that's, that's super good. I, I love that. And I think for our family, too, just talking about the, the spiritual world we live in and making them aware that they have an enemy who wants to rip them off and take mm-hmm. away all the good. And so I, I love the 3D design um, with your fourth D because really it points to this is all for their good and just helping them understand there's a reward there ultimately for doing things God's way and that the enemy's always looking for ways to rip us off, right, to counterfeit God's goodness. And so if they can kind of almost – you know, have that mental shift where they start to see that this is actually like a trick trying to steal from them rather than give them something good and almost have an attitude. Um, We talked in my interview um, with Sean Clifford about uh, canopy. We talked about just realizing, you know, teenagers want to sometimes have a rebellious attitude, but let's be rebellious against the right the right yeah. thing right, right and so great. you know that the documentary the social dilemma you kind of realize yeah. wait yeah. <laughs> somebody's out to get me yeah i think i want to i want to prove them wrong i don't want to be the guy that fits all those things and so to be able to say you know i'm not going to fall that, into that trap maybe everybody else out there is maybe this is what the culture is doing but i'm going to stand strong for what will ultimately bring me God's best. So that's kind of the conversation we have in my family. I don't know if it's great. if that yeah, makes absolutely. sense, but <laughs> yeah, I like absolutely. to give kind of empower them. Like, dude, let's do this. Let's let's have a great life. Have the best sex, have the best family and and you know, it's going to take a few years of trusting that that's the right thing when the world's screaming at you that it's not. But I like to empower them with that attitude. So cool. Okay.
2: It it sounds like you're treading boldly in your family. We love it.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you. I love that term. That is so solid. Um, anything else you would like people to know we're going to be linking to your book. Um, definitely excited for everyone to get their hands on it. What else is unique about the book? What would you like people to know is in there?
1: You know, I I think that we, we were actually talking about this yesterday. This is a deep topic and it, and it runs to all parts of our lives. And, um, And, and so it's not a light book. Um, It's, it's not, you know, it's accessible. I don't mean that it's, you know, you don't have to have a theology degree to to read it or a psychology degree it's, but it's, it is a book for parents. It's not scripts that parents have for kids. It's not, you know, pass this on to your kids there. I mean, certainly there's that in there, but um, we really prayed long and hard to try to make this book, a book that would, that would encourage embolden comfort um, Mm. and guide parents for their sake because we, more than we believe in the book, we believe that, that parents are the ones that God wants um, to, to minister to their kids in this area. So our, our hope is that it really just kind of ignites what God has already placed in parents and helps them to be more themselves, their kids, because their kids really, really need them. And, um and Jesus is with us in this. I mean, that's, that's the thing we can't miss that uh, for all the darkness, Christ is not overwhelmed. Yep. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And I so think
2: good. just a, one quick thought is, We titled the book the way we did is because we recognize parents are coming to this with fear and doubt and uncertainty and maybe uh, a feeling they don't want to do it. Um, And and we're hopeful that this book will uh, lead to an attitude change where it's a complete reversal, that by the end of the book, and and you see, we're no longer just talking about pornography, but about a better way of doing family, about a better way Mm. of communicating about understanding our need uh, for to support others in this, other parents and other families, that this is really a mission field um, that we can go into with a great deal of hope and even joy. And, and that does take a while to get to, but it's right there and it, and it's really accessible and possible through Jesus, who who is walking with us all along the way.
0: Awesome. Okay, last thing before we close. Would one of you just maybe give a quick word of encouragement to the parent out there that is going through this right now, who's either recently discovered their child is looking at pornography or has a bad feeling in their gut right now that they need to do some exploring? Um, yeah. What would you say?
1: Yeah. You know wh- one of the things that we talk about in the book is um, I think for a long, long time, a lot of us have lived with one one script that you know we've got to raise our kids in a certain way so they turn mm-hmm. out in a certain way. And really, part of part of the the, the I think that's the scheme of the enemy. I mean, there's good intention there, but but what it tries to do is it makes us the savior, and it tries to exempt our kids from needing a savior. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason that detour is a D that we felt needed to be in the book and needed to be addressed is so often. And and Monica, I don't know your story at all, but I know mine, and I know Daniel's a bit. Um, so often the way that Jesus makes inroads into our hearts is through the the really hard times we go through and so that mom or dad listening Jesus wants more of you right now he's going after you he's there for you and the places where you're experiencing the pain or you're experiencing the hopelessness is as as hard as it is and i i would not wish it on you i don't mean that mm-hmm. um, but where sin increases his grace mm-hmm. increases all the more and he's available for you there um he knows about graves. He's been there. And then the same thing's true for your kids. Um, it may be that the, the darkness that your kid has been encountering in their life um, is going to be an avenue where they begin to experience the grace of God, uh, not just in their heads, but in their experience and in their hearts. Um, what, what, the, what the enemy means for harm, God mm-hmm. can use for good. And so pray into that, move boldly because of that truth. This is, this. is We can move boldly because Christ really did die. He really did go to the depths and he really did rise from the dead.
0: Awesome. Well, what a great way to close Josh and Daniel. Thank you so much for your time. Again, we're going to be linking to your book. If people are, are you guys on social media? Would people be able to find you? Tell, tell us the websites or um, social media handles people could go to right now and find and follow you.
1: Well, so you can, I can go either one of our, our websites. Mine is uh, joshglazer.com and there are links there to specific, um, like Facebook groups that, that I run. And Daniel, you can give yours.
2: Yeah, it's uh, I've got a website. It's faithfilled.family. So instead of a .com, it's a .family, faithfilled.family. And uh, I do blogging and writing on the family there as well. And if you want to just go to our book landing page, our website is treadingboldly.com.
0: Awesome. Okay, and I'll put any other links, anything we've discussed um, in our show notes. Thank you guys so much for your time. Appreciate you. you and everything you're doing. Well, thank you thanks Monica.
2: so much, Mike. Yeah, thanks for fighting for the family the way you do. We appreciate that.
0: Awesome. Aloha. All right, friends, I hope you got a lot out of that conversation and even though it is a heavy topic, I hope that you were able to just grab a lot of hope and encouragement from what these guys shared. I do highly recommend you getting your hands on their book. Again, it's Treading Boldly Through a Pornographic World, and I will have links to that in the show notes, so be sure to check it out. And again, I hope you will share this episode with friends and family members. It's just such an important topic. Um, Be sure to go to show notes to get any links that we mentioned um, to the book, to each of these guys' websites, and a few notes about our conversation and um, always say hi over there. I love it when you comment. And I also always welcome your emails. If you have a topic suggestion or just want to say hi, want to share maybe your story, feel free to email me at aloha at monicaswanson.com. All right, guys, more great topics and interviews coming in the weeks ahead this summer. So I know it's a busy time. Some of you are traveling and hanging out with family, but I sure appreciate it when you take time to check in and tune in each week. Thanks for being a part of this community. You are awesome. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And until next time, aloha.